to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Lodemi, and I am joined by Adi Singh. Uh, before we hear from Adi, I uh, just want to uh, just, you know, kind of acknowledge uh, what's going on in the world right now with, you know, the the, the violence and, and all the rioting and all the, just everything just going on. Uh, it, it's something that is obviously very sensitive to me and uh, as, a, as an African-American, um, and I just want to say to other African-Americans out there that, um, you know, we are with you, this show's with you. Um, uh, so it's, uh, it's really just, you know, sad to see, you know, people die unnecessarily, uh, but we hope, and I'm very hopeful, especially with the football world, uh, coming together and, and shedding some light into this. Uh, we hope that a lot of this stuff will, will you know, will end eventually. Uh, we kind of took... Uh, a break from the show because we didn't feel like it was appropriate to to have a show when all these uh, uh, things were going on. So, so yeah, this is just to to every other African American or or, or black uh, uh, people living uh, you know, out there that are probably listening to this. Uh, uh, we are with you, and and, uh, and you know we hope we hope this will end uh, very soon. Uh, but let's dive right in and um, also. Um, Adi, I, I know Marcus Rashford made the news uh, this week, convincing the British government. Do you want to give us like a, a brief note on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, with so much going on in the world in these last three months, uh, I feel like there is some good out there and sport is a good space for all of these messages to come and all these people to come together and actually make a difference. And I would definitely like to give a shout out to Marcus Rashford. I mean, there's so many players out there who've helped so many communities. Like I can start going on naming Didier Drogba and Samuel Leto and just go on with names. But huge shout out to Marcus Rashford, who's just 24 now. And uh, what he did was make a conservative government like with the uh, likes of Boris Johnson may take a U-turn and actually commit to like a $120 million uh, pounds of free school meals. So, I mean, that's something big um, and like really proud of the kid and he set a big example. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see. Um, let's start out with the Bundesliga. There, There's some good news for a particular team in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich has won their eighth straight league. Um, I don't want to uh, sound like a broken record, but did you, you know, did we? I guess did you see this coming, or did you think this was the year that there was going to be a change? No, I guess I'm not surprised. Eight straight title. Um, I guess yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Maybe a little push from Dortmund, but yeah, no surprises that they won the title. Yeah, I think all credit to Lewandowski and Alfonso Alfonso Davies. And honestly, like I don't give him much credit, but uh, uh, Mula was also a very huge part of this trophy win because remember in the beginning of the seasons Bayern Munich was not playing very well they had to fire uh, uh, the, the co- their coach Kovac and and now um, Flick is is in and people even though people doubted Flick he he showed up and, and he's he's won the um, the Bundesliga for for Bayern Munich um, uh, I would ask you this so Adi um, there you know like the Champions League is coming back in August. We've heard, I think, August 7th is when it's supposed to come back. Um, and obvi- obviously, Bayern Munich is, is in that competition. Uh, do you think that this kind of gives them some kind of, you know, confidence going to the Champions League? Do you think they, they have a chance to even win it? 
I mean, definitely gives them confidence, but I feel like a lot of people might say they're favorites because they don't have uh, any other league or competition to focus on. But just look at the fact that the Champions League is in August and we're still in June and Bayern literally will have no preparation and competitive games before that. So I think uh, that lack of intensity might actually put their foot off the gas during the big games, knowing that it's in August and knowing that the next round quarterfinals is just going to be 1-1 game. There are no two legs, and so you have to be like intense. And I don't see that happening. Good, yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. I, I also shared the same sentiment. Um, let's talk. Let's move to the to the next team, and really, it's about your team. I know we're talking about the Bundesliga here, but I'm talking about Chelsea also because uh, Timo Werner uh, has actually officially moved to Chelsea, which is, I mean, kind of like a surprise because you know there was there were rumors that. He was supposed to go to Liverpool, and I think Liverpool said they don't have the money. And obviously, like Timo Werner wanted to move to Liverpool because of the club. Um, I don't want to, you know, I'm sure you're excited, but but do you think this is a very good signing for for Chelsea, given that they have people like like Giroud and uh, and Tammy Abraham? I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I'm 100% excited. The guy's like 23, 24. If you look at his stats in Bundesliga, he's like among like the top three goal scorers this season. He's he's super young, he's quick, and he's the kind of player who likes to play with a second striker. So I see another Drogba and Elka kind of combination happening with uh, Werner and Abraham. Uh, and Olivier Giroud is someone who who is happy to play the second fiddle role, like just coach these young kids and be a player helping with the squad depth. So I, I don't see Giroud sticking around for too long, and he's towards the end of his career anyway. So... Yeah, so so what what do you picture here is going to happen with the the formation? Who's I mean, I, I'm assuming Pulisic is done then, right? Like if 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 we have to move around. I mean, uh, we could play two strikers up front. Uh, we could rotate between Tammy and uh, Werner. And the good thing about Werner is his versatility. He can play up front. He can play on the wing as well. So I mean, we'll have to see how things pan out, but. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Pulisic just because of signing a new striker. Okay, so, I mean, those are my thoughts on Werner, but now now that we start talking about Werner and Chelsea, like, I want to get this conversation to the Premier League. I mean, this is obviously the most viewed and popular league in the world. And what did you think about the first uh, day of the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I was very excited to, 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 to watch it, I'm not going to lie, obviously, like you said, very, one of the, not one of the, the most popular uh, uh, league in the world, uh, really. And so there was a lot of hype behind it, which was great. And it lived up to the hype because there were VAR controversies and mistakes. And also there were many goals. Uh, so I was really excited to see. Um, if, if you're asking me how I thought the first day went, I, I think it was just disappointment all around you know disappointment from the far sides it was disappointed from arsenal um it's just you would think some a team like arsenal would at least put up a fight but it seemed like they just were a sec like it felt like an arsenal b team almost i mean honestly i wasn't surprised at all looking at arsenal's performance i mean they're a team in transition they've struggled like what did you expect from Arsenal? did you expect any other result besides like well I guess 
I did expect that City was going to win, but not by 3-0. I expected more of a tight game. Maybe a 2-1 game was what I was thinking was going to happen. And reason-wise, is because Arteta, I know, knows the game plan of Pep. So I figured, you know, Arteta knows to block all the, you know, the, the sides and the runs from, from the wing-backs. Um, but we didn't see any of that. It seems like, uh, obviously, they couldn't contain uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Sterling was also a threat down the left. Um, so, so it was just uh, catastrophic. And, and let's t- let's talk about the, the the elephant in the room. I mean, David Luiz, very horrible. I still don't understand why. And I've, I've mentioned this, I, I believe, twice in the podcast. Don't understand why he plays de- uh, defense. He he's a very good ball distributor. He can distribute and pass the ball very well. I think he should be playing the midfield, maybe maybe right in front of the center backs. But he's definitely not a uh, a center back for 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 this team. Um, I want to kind of shift your focus down to the Aston Villa Sheffield um, United game. Um, we talk about we lament about VAR in EPL, and it seems like it's only EPL that this happens. Um, what what did you think should have happened when the ball went in and and the keeper kind of played it like it didn't? I think the Hawkeye should have gotten it right and should have signaled Michael Oliver on his watch saying that uh, this was a goal, the ball went over the line. Michael Oliver was an experienced Premier League referee and it's harsh to blame him and say that um, he didn't call for VAR. But um, in over 9,000 games, the Hawkeye has been right. This is like the first ever glitch where like it, his watch didn't go off and he's got to trust his watch. If there's a technology glitch, I don't think you can like just ridicule the referee who's so experienced and has so many uh, big Premier League games under his belt. Uh, it is unfortunate that it happened, but I wouldn't really involve VAR. It's just an unfortunate incident, I guess. Hey, hey, I completely understand. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't understand the point of VAR in in the EPL if you don't use it. So so I figured that VAR would just be like, hey, you know, stop stop the game. I, I think this is a goal. We should probably check this. I mean, what do you think about you? I mean, this is VAR's job, right? Yeah, Bori, don't get me started about VAR. You know I'm not a fan. Like, the number of ridiculous decisions that have been given after using VAR, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm, some guy, ball hits him, his hand is not in an unnatural position, VAR overrules it, gives it a penalty. Like, so many ridiculous decisions, which ruins the momentum of the game. So, don't get me started on VAR. Um, let's save this debate for another day. Yeah, yeah, S- sounds good. I mean... Honestly, it feels like VAR is the only pro- is is a major problem in the EPL. I don't know what the EPL uh, FA or the the English FA is doing, but hey, I, real quick before we move on um, to another league, uh, Manchester United and Tottenham playing tomorrow. Pogba is back. Um, you know, United were looking very good before um, you know the 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 coronavirus. Um, what what are your thoughts about this game, and who do you think will come up come out on top? Spurs are going to win, uh, and by the end of the weekend, Chelsea are going to be six points clear of Man United. Oh, okay, so you're just saying this for it. <laughs> okay, I see I see where this is going. Okay, so you want Spurs to win, I, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like United will slip up. It's going to be a tough game for Spurs with Marcus Rashford being so quick, but I'm hoping Spurs win. All right, let's move on to La Liga. La Liga is back. Uh, excited to see, really. I mean, I, I watched the Real Madrid and Valencia game today, and it, it's just 
I see beautiful football. And just really, this is why I love watching La Liga. But let's start out with uh, Barcelona. They played, you know, two not-so-good teams, Mallorca and Leganes. But I really just want to talk about mainly uh, uh, Messi. And Messi is uh, is about to reach uh, 700 goals. I, I mean, Adi, like, you know I am a Messi fan. And, you know, I, I think it's very justified that I, I am because he's about to score 700 goals for club and country. How how good is Messi? Messi is amazing. I mean, without um, the crowd, with the lockdown and everything, watching Messi is still amazing. So, I mean, you can see how hungry he was, how much he missed football the moment he got to play on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, it's just, he's just a joy to watch. Yes, Chris, I completely agree with you. Um, there is a concern, though, for Barcelona because Antoine Griezmann is not doing so well. I mean, for example, Antoine Griezmann has played twice the number of games as Ansu Fati, and Ansu Fati has scored uh, a lot more goals than Antoine Griezmann. So uh, do, what do you think may happen to Antoine Griezmann by the end of the season? Because it doesn't seem like he's pulling his weight. I mean, I'm a big fan of Griezmann because I like strikers who press and have a good work rate. Griezmann is one of those. So even when he's having an off game, he makes up with like just pressing and putting the defense under pressure. Um, sometimes, I don't know, it just doesn't work out for some players when they move on to other clubs. So I hope his career doesn't go towards a decline, but maybe he moves to Liverpool. Uh, I think that would be a great buy for Liverpool. Like, I think he, he would definitely fit in that front three of clubs. Um, but who knows, he might stay at Barcelona and continue doing well. Let's see. Yeah, and the other point of concern is the the defense for Barcelona. I mean, uh, Pique is getting old, Longley, I mean, Longley is okay, Umtiti is horrible. Um, but, uh, you know, like, do you, do you think, you know, just talking about the Champions League and, and the Champions League coming back, do you think uh, Barcelona has a chance to even beat Bayern Munich uh, uh, in, in the Champions League? I mean, forget Bayern Munich. They're, they're, they still need to beat Napoli in the second leg. They lost the first leg, what, 2-1, right? I, I find I think that game is going to be very intense. Napoli going to go all out. Um, and Napoli are really good in these Champions League ties. Um, so, yeah, I, as you said, like, Barca's defense has always been, like, a little shaky in the last few seasons. The number of times they've let teams come back. So, I think Barcelona are going to make it, but let's see. Okay, moving on from, from Barcelona, um, I know Real Madrid had a few games. Um, what did you think about uh, Madrid's performance? And do you think they're going to push Barca all the way and clinch the title? Yeah, I mean, this is a title race to watch, right? I mean, forget the EPL, right? There's no title race there, but there's a title race in the La Liga. Um, um, albeit it's two points between Madrid and Barcelona right now. But, I mean, you see the way Madrid is playing. They're playing very, very nice football. I mean, everyone is pitching in. Uh, there's no one bad player, honestly, um, at least since the coronavirus. Um, uh, kudos to, to Hazard. I know it's been tough for Hazard. I mean, I've never seen, I know Hazard is a confidence player, uh, which surprises me because he's a dribbler. I, I don't know how 
dribblers cannot be confidence players, but he's a confidence player, and, and it seems like he doesn't have so much of the confidence. But even with that, he's still uh, he's I think he's had what two or three assists so far in the last two games. Um, so so he's really linking up very well with Benzema. The partnership between him and Benzema, it seems like there's a very good chemistry there. It kind of reminds me of of the ke- chemistry between Ronaldo and, and Benzema. Again, not going to compare the the chemistry between them, but I'm just saying that it kind of reminds me of that that chemistry. Um, so I think I think Madrid is doing very well. I think the midfield is great. Uh, Ferland M- Mendy is phenomenal. Kind of reminds me of of Alfonso Davies in terms of like his agility, his speed, he's uh, uh, just his willingness to just go down the line on the left and, and also be able to come back quickly. Um, Sergio Ramos is ferocious as as usual. I mean, even though I don't really like him, but he, he you know you can't argue with his uh, leadership and, and his his skill. Um, I mean, let's talk about Courtois. Come on. Like there, there was a great save he made today, and it was just phenomenal. Like, like I think Kondogbia was the one that made that shot, and you thought it was. If you see it in lifetime, you think the shot was going straight at Courtois, but no, he has to actually bend and make that reflex save. Um, you know, everyone is pulling their weight in, in Madrid, and, and and it just it, it's this is the this is a real title race, and I think honestly, I think uh, Madrid has a very good chance, even even better than 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 Barcelona. Um, I do want to ask you though, what, how do you think, you know, coming from, you know, Hazard coming from Chelsea to Madrid, you know, there are times where Hazard has like downtimes, even at Chelsea, maybe during the beginning of the season or, or maybe in the middle of a season. Um, do you think Hazard is just going through a rough phase, you know, like, like he did, like he did sometimes in Chelsea? Um, Bori, let me stop you right there. So 2012 to what, 2019 or 2000, yeah, like he was there for seven seasons at Chelsea. And of the seven seasons, he was player of the season for like like three times. He was young player of the season in the Premier League like twice. He just had one off season under Mourinho in Mourinho's last season. And that was because um, a few bad games and then he got injured for like half the season. And then the moment he came back for the last 10 games, he was phenomenal. That's the season Leicester City actually won. And if you can recollect, there was a game where Chelsea handed the title to Leicester by beating Tottenham. Hazard was man of the match in that game. Like, so I totally see Hazard pushing Barcelona and being the difference. If Madrid actually win the title, someone like Hazard needs to step up and be that difference. And I see that happening with Hazard getting that form in these last 10 games. Just like that Mourinho season where he was off with injury and bad form, but he came back. So I would rule out the fact that he's erratic and he was inconsistent at Chelsea. He was like our player for like so many years. And yeah, he's still not there, but I think he's gonna get there for sure. Yeah, no, I, I I completely. I mean, hey, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying for for example, like I think Hazard was the one that made Chelsea as good as they were the last seven years. Um, so so I'm not saying Hazard is not, but I'm just saying there. I mean, I'm sure you will agree with me when I say there have been games where he just or or multiple games where he's just quiet and silent. And it just seems like that's what's going on right now. Although I think he's much better than he was in the beginning of this season, uh, yeah, because sure. like like I said, the past two games he's he's had two or three assists, and he I think it's a confidence thing that that's going on with him right now. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's maybe a little bit of confidence. Hazard is not the kind of guy who gets affected by social media and a lot of people putting pressure on him. 
he just likes his football. So just give him a few more games. You'll start seeing him dribbling, cutting in from the left, drawing fouls, winning penalties, because that's what he's known for. He's not going to provide lots of goals and assists. He's going to build play and create more chances. We spoke so much about Hazard Bori. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on Asensio? I think that's a beautiful story that we should definitely talk about. Yes, I mean, that goal was just so sweet. And again, I'm not saying people don't score sweet goals in other leagues, but like these are the kind of goals you don't really see as often in in other leagues as as you see in La Liga. That goal was just so so beautiful. His first touch, uh, great work to Ferland Mendy again. Like he was able to brush up. Uh, the defender, um, I'm forgetting his name, um, but he, it, it was so so beautiful. What a goal and, and what a what a way to come back after tearing your ACL in in a in a in a friendly. You know that that's just such a, a great story. And then he had that assist with with Benzema, and that Benzema's goal too was also great. Like he chipped the defender and then used the other leg to score. Like just so many beautiful goals. Yeah. I'm actually very impressed with the way Madrid are playing. And what, I mean, how, what do you think about Asensio? Is he, he I mean, is this going to help his confidence coming back? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was such a beautiful story. I'm really happy for the boy. The guy was out, as you said, like such a severe injury. To come back after such a long period as the sub, first touch of his game scores a goal. So, yeah, happy for him. And I hope he continues to do well. And as you mentioned about Benzema's last goal, which was beautiful. I mean, Benzema is such an underrated player and a Madrid legend. He now has more goals than Puskas and more assists than Zidane. And I think he's like in their top four goal scorers of all time. So, what an underrated talent. Great player. So, wait. Now, now that I'm, I'm glad you talked about Benzema having more assists than Zidane. Um, so, does this mean that um, G, like Deschamps should kick out Giroud and and put Benzema in the French squad? I mean, is, no, is no question about it. Uh, Benzema should have been in that French squad for the last eight years. I mean, the reason he's not been there because of... It's more about, like, politics and, like, his incident with uh, Matthew Valbuena. Uh, everyone knows that Benzema is, like, the best striker in France. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, hey, just shout out to Valencia. I mean, the first half, there were... They were playing like I don't know if you if you saw the way they were playing from the back, even with what like five players on them. It was very beautiful to see that Valencia weren't trying to weren't choked out by by the pressure. So it was good to see. Sadly, I, I don't think the the scoreline reflects the game, uh, especially when it comes to the point of view of Valencia. But I understand. I mean, uh, you, you know, Real Madrid really turned up uh, towards the end of the game. Um, any, anything else to discuss about, about Madrid? Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, I think Valencia were good in the first half and the game was even. Both keepers were pretty busy. But the second half, Madrid kind of turned it on and showed who was the better team. I know that I'm a big Valencia. I'm, I'm, I admire Valencia and players like Parejo. But um, yeah, Madrid showed that they are in for the title race and they're going to push Barca. Hey, were you, were you shocked about Atletico Madrid scoring five goals again? Asasuna, I mean, what is going on there? Like, five goals? Honestly, I did not catch the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, Atletico scoring a lot of goals is a little surprising because of the way they play defensive football. But, again, it's Asasuna. And, like, you know, Atletico has always had, like, good front attacking force. Like, I mean, who else scored? Was it Morata, Diego Costa? I know Diego Costa scored on the weekend. 
Yes, Diego Costa uh, scored. Um, uh, Fel- uh, Joe Felix also. Even Carrasco, my favorite player ever. Well, one of my favorite players. Um, nice. Carrasco also scored with his uh, silver hair. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm just I was shocked. I I didn't watch the game either. I saw the highlights and before I saw you know watched the highlights, I saw five zero. I thought this was a a mistake, but no, they they did score five goals um, against Osasuna. Um, let's move on to uh, the my favorite league, uh, the Italian league. Uh, although the the Serie A is not back until Saturday, uh, but the Coppa Italia uh, semifinals and final was played this week. Um, very surprising results. I mean, finally we have another winner. Uh, Napoli uh, uh, won won the Coppa Italia, and and hey, big props to Gennaro Gattuso. Um, as an AC Milan fan, I'm sad that we fired him. Uh, I think it was a justif- justified firing, but uh, obviously you can see that he's doing big things in other clubs. Now I want to start with just Juventus, uh, uh, Adi, because. I don't know. I, I'm sure you saw the games, but come on! Like I've never seen a Juve side like this bad in my all my life. Seen watching football, really, um, and they were just awful, awful all around from the defense to the offense. The only people that were really doing anything were were Buffon and, and Diego Costa. Um, Ronaldo was, was bad. I mean, he missed a penalty against Milan. What what is going on there? Is he is he having some people are, are saying this thing where you know how Ronaldo sometimes at the beginning of the season he has this time where he just like if he he doesn't play very well. Um, but because we've had this break, it feels like it's the beginning of the season. So people are kind of alluding to that. What do you think maybe going on with with Ronaldo here? I mean, I don't buy the beginning of the season. Ronaldo's looked sharp even in preseason games. When I've gone watched him live in the US, like he scored like top class free kicks and volleys. Uh, but yeah, he definitely lacked, lacked sharpness, uh, and yeah, UA were pretty average, uh, and I feel like AC Milan should have been in the finals. They were the better team over two legs, and similarly, Inter Milan were unlucky. Inter Milan outplayed Napoli in that game as well, um, and it should have been a Milan derby in the final, but yeah, I'll let you go do a deep dive on the Mil- milan UA game, because you're the bigger Milan fan here. Well, I mean, I don't want to take over the show with a with a Milan uh, podcast, but but I mean, yes, I mean, I share sentiment. It was unfortunate that we had the red card. If we didn't have the red card, I think we would have had a chance. And I agree with you. Even with ten men, it looked like, especially in the second half, because the first half was a different story. The second half, we we really turned it up, and it felt like we were playing with eleven members. But uh, Ronaldo missing the penalty, like I mean, yes, it's it's the first time this year, and also. It's been it's the fourth one in four years. Uh, do you think it's funny that he missed the penalty when there's no crowd? Do you think he gets he he plays better when there's a crowd? That's a good point, actually. That that could probably be a, be a reason. Like when you have like so many people jeering at him and chanting Messi, that motivates him even more to do better. Um, but yeah, he just lacks sharpness, and yeah, yeah. as you said, Juventus were dis- disappointing. Yeah, and, and hey, let's talk about uh, Buffon. Buffon was over the two legs was a, an animal. Like he he really beasted the the goalkeeping position. He saved them against Napoli many times. Uh, that game should not have gone to penalties. Even before we get into Buffon in the final, I, I would want to talk about the Inter Napoli game. And and while watching that, like I knew that this is a typical Antonio Conte side. 
such a defensive team, so many wingbacks, Ashley Young playing, Kandreva playing, Victor Moses coming on, Alexis Sanchez. And and I honestly thought Inter played much better than Napoli. Napoli had a good counter-attack with Ospina distributing it to uh, Insigne, Insigne passing it to Mertens or the other way around. But, but yeah, they just took their chances. And I think Inter had a few other chances, Lukaku, Eriksen, all of them combined pretty well, but they didn't take it. And I thought Inter were unlucky as well not to make it to the finals. I've never been a fan of of, of Conte, and and it's true. And, and the reason why I always say the same thing is he makes his players play a certain way, and they're not dynamic. And when things when bad things happen, then they can't really adjust quickly. And I personally think you know if you see Klopp, Klopp can adjust to any kind of formation, and you can see that in his players, they can adjust to any kind of formation easily. Um, but when you look at uh, a, a coach like Conte, it's it's hard for him to adjust uh, or for his players to adjust because he likes to play this one system with three in the back and wing backs going up and down and 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 you know Barella and 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 the you know Brozovic just playing in the middle. I I don't know. I I don't really like that system and I think that really kind of affects the team. Um, I, I think the way Napoli played against them was they sat back and then they and hit them on the counter, which is exactly how you explained what Ospina did, uh, which you know gave them the the the, the goal. Um, I think I, I think Conte just you know shot himself in the foot for lack of better terms because really like like he needs to make his team more dynamic. He needs to be more more dynamic himself and, and, and stop playing the same way every time. I mean that that's that's a fair point, and I I think um, there'll be a lot of occasions where his team won't be able to cope because of his uh, formation and his tactics. But I have to admit that that one game I thought Inter were better, and they just didn't take their chances. They had more chances, uh, they had more of the ball, and it, it didn't just work because they, they didn't take their chances. Yeah, I completely get. I mean, he he definitely has the possession side of things. Um, but but another game that reminds me of why it's not good to play just one exact style every time. Like look at the game against Barcelona in the Champions League. Like they were completely outplayed by their by a, a Messi-less team. Like there was no Suarez. Like it was just a bunch of young stars playing, and they still couldn't beat that team. Um, only because they, he played that one style, and, and everyone knows that style that like he plays, so they play against that style. Um, th- that I don't know. It, it just, you know, there was a lot of rumors that they wanted uh, Conte at Milan. I'm so happy he didn't come because, honestly, we'll be back to square one where we spend so much money and we don't we don't have the right players. So, um, I hit yes in Inter Milan we're we're, we're Good. I mean, if you compare their players from one to one, they they have better players than Napoli. But but when it comes to, with the formation, it's just a different story. So, uh, it, hey, I I I kind of kind of understand what you're saying, but I st- I'm not surprised that Napoli won. I would say though, Napoli winning was is a very good fairy story for for Gattuso. Gattuso lost his, his sister. Um, who who is who he is very close with, uh, and it was just good around to see him win something. And I'm sure he probably dedicated that win to to his sister. I'm not sure if he did that, but but I'm sure in his heart he did. It's interesting that um, Sari, who didn't win anything for Napoli, lost to Napoli, and it is sad to see him like that, being because he was a Chelsea manager. But um, I thought again, Napoli was a better team on the night. 
throughout the game, even if it didn't go to penalties, Buffon saved Juventus. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I, not you know, Sarri has won the Europa League with Chelsea, so I don't feel bad for him. Um, but but yes, I, I can imagine he's under fire right now. Maybe he's gonna have some some talks with with uh, Nedved, uh, the the director of Juventus. So we'll see what happens. Well, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Adi. Um, I think you you're gonna take my job this week because apparently you have a random fact. Uh, I'm, I'm very eager to hear this. What what is your random fact? Yep, that is correct. And to our listeners who heard the argument about uh, a few weeks ago about Hakimi versus Alfonso Davies, who is faster, uh, we spoke about this and Bori a few weeks ago was actually right. Hakimi was the fastest. But the random fact of the day is that Alfonso Davies has currently set the new Bundesliga speed record with a sprint of 22.7 miles per hour. Boy from Ghana moved to Canada and look at, he's doing wonders. Yeah, that is a very great random fact. Um, and in fact, like it's it's crazy that that is being set during a time when there's a pandemic. So it's all really kind of ironic for me. But that is awesome. I mean, I'm happy for Alfonso Davis. Um, it's good to see that, especially a Canadian, where, you know, Canada is known for for football, it is beating this record. So, it, you know. Very good for him. He's a very good player. I really wish him the best and, and hope hope everything works out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Adi, for, for, for joining this episode of the fourth official soccer podcast. Uh, thank you to our listeners for listening. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at 40HOfficialSP. Um, and we are also on uh, major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Android Podcasts. So feel free to reach, us, reach out to us there and listen to us. Um, and uh, we appreciate any feedback. Um, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.